Hey there. How you doing, guys? Gabe D. Armand. Sean Williams here. He's on, I don't know, left side of your screen, right side of your screen. I don't know how you're looking at this. He's on the right side of my screen. I am Gabe D. Armand. This is the Tuesday Tiger Recruiting Show. We are back for another year. We're going to try to do this at 2.30 on, uh, on every Tuesday until... I text Sean and say, I've got something going on. Or Sean texts me, says he's got something going on. And then we're going to do it at a different time. And you're just going to have to deal with that. So uh, anyway, Sean, what's up? Uh, It's good, man. Good to be back for another year. Uh, Kind of almost forgot how to do this. But uh, luckily, you're running the ship. So I just got to plug in a microphone and talk. So, (laughs) I mean, that's (laughs) that's realistically all I'm doing as well, um, to be quite honest with you. But um, hey, before we get going, I do want to kind of draw your guys' attention to our sponsor this year, and he's actually going to be our sponsor for uh, today and for the football show I'm going to be doing with Gerard Hamilton, which is going to start tomorrow. But that is James Carlton with State Farm, with James Carlton State Farm Insurance in St. Louis. He's actually lo- located in Webster Groves. You can see his contact information. We're going to leave that scrolling across the bottom of the screen for you all throughout the show in case you want to get in touch with James. CarltonInsurance.net. There's the phone number, 314-961-4800. It's going to be going across the bottom of the screen throughout this. So uh, if you need a way to get in touch with James, you're going to be able to find it quickly. And uh, every State Farm agency is independently owned, and James Carlton owns this one in St. Louis. He's got a team of eight people. They're all located in Missouri. They can take care of you in Missouri or in Illinois. And it, it, James says right up front, he, he's not going to give you the hard sell. He just wants to uh, wants to get a chance to talk to you and get a chance to see what you can do. And he's a big Mizzou fan, and he's actually doing something for Mizzou fans, the NIL collective that has started up, which is uh, called Advancing Missouri Athletes. If you contact James, whether it's online, in person, you give him a phone call, whatever, if you contact James and get an insurance quote and you mention Power Mizzou, just tell him you heard about this on our, our broadcast or from our tweet or whatever. Every person that does that, he's going to make a $20 donation to Advancing Missouri Athletes, uh, the NIL collective. You do not have to buy the policy from him. You do not have to become a customer of his for him to do that. Uh, He wants to do something to not only bring Missouri fans' attention to his business, but also to help out uh, Missouri and its efforts in NIL. So uh, make sure you do that. We'll remind you a couple times throughout the show. But uh, James's information, again, is scrolling across the bottom of the screen there. And uh, Sean, this is the recruiting show. So we're just going to start out. Is the appropriate time to panic about Missouri's 2022 recruiting class now or yesterday or six weeks ago? Like everybody watching needs to know when they should panic. I think it really depends on who you ask and how much alcohol they have consumed currently. So (laughs) if you ask the message board, it's like seven months ago, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, My opinion, uh, time to be disappointed. Sure. Uh, Time to panic. Not yet. You know, we'll wait and see what happens and see if they uh, see what they kind of drive. And look, hey, nobody's signing anything till December, at least, you know, so uh, long way to go. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, you never know when uh, flips can happen and, uh, you know, people will be elated and, and they'll think this uh, class is pretty good again. So, right. There is time. And, and it, it, the main thing to me is is some perspective. This is not likely to be as good as Eli Drinkwitz's first two classes. I don't think this is no. going to rank in the top 20 because if you just look at who they're still in on, who's not committed other places, like there aren't 
a ton of four-star kids on that list, but there are a couple. They've already got three, and three years ago, if you had told a Missouri fan, hey, you're going to sign five or six four-stars in a class, Missouri fans are elated at that point, yeah. right? So you got to have a little bit of historical perspective. It's maybe not as good as the last two years would be what we think, but still better than than what you were used to bringing in the six, seven, eight years before that. Um, I think probably the major disappointment at this point is is the offensive line stuff, right? I mean, Caden Green, we always knew was it was going to be tough, but we thought it was possible. And mm-hmm. finishing second in recruiting gets you absolutely nothing. So <laughs> whatever, Missouri did finish second. I'm pretty confident. Um, but but I think the Miles McVeigh one is is probably what's skewing people's view of this class a little bit because for a long time, and not just we, everybody thought, hey, this kid's going to end up at Missouri and everybody wants to know what changed well what changed is alabama said they take him and when alabama says that there's not a lot of kids that say no yeah that that's correct you know and yeah i mean he's he was a wanted dude and you know like i said when alabama comes calling and he just down there quite a few times so it gives you a lot of reason to worry leading into a a commitment date so i know he did get back to missouri right before he announced his commitment but um you know that uh, was kind of a tough blow. And, I mean, Caden Green, you know, you go, ba- go back to that one, and, uh, you know, Missouri made quite an impression on him. You know, you talked to him after his official visit, and, you know, he kind of seemed like he was swaying back and forth there, you know, and said Missouri did, like, a really great job of uh, – gr- great job on the visit. So you, there was some hope there, but then he ultimately went to Oklahoma, which is somewhere we thought he would go in the first place. So, yeah, a couple of big misses there for some in-state kids. I mean, I say in-state, McVay is just right across the river, but you know what I mean. That was one of those ones. The Caden Green thing was one of those ones where you want to go, all right, like, I'm not going to write this. I'm not going to put it out there. I just want to know, like, what actually is this close? Or, look, have you known you were going to Oklahoma? Because it kind of got that feeling, right, where, like, he said a lot of good things about Missouri. And then when he committed to Oklahoma, you just kind of were left there thinking, I wonder really if it was that close. or And it doesn't ultimately matter. It's just one of those things that, hey, as I say all the time, all we can print is what people tell us. And that does not always make it the truth. Right. Right. And, you know, it could be, I don't know when you talk to him specifically what time, or maybe he was on the post visit high, you know, so I uh, had a lot of good impressions and, you know, kids say a lot of things, a lot of things that make you think they're swaying that way immediately after a visit. So um, yeah, things can change and, you know, perspectives change once you get a night or two to sleep on it and, and kind of recollect your thoughts. So. Yeah, and, and and I should have said this at the top. I do want to invite you guys. We've got a few people that have uh, have made some comments, asked some questions over in the, the comment uh, rail here, and we can see all those, and we will put them up on the screen and get to them. Uh, but feel free, if you've got something to say, um, you know, if, if you want to, you know, compliment uh, us mostly, then feel free to do so in the, in the comment section. We'll put that on the screen if you've got questions, anything along those lines. Um, the other thing, and, and we'll get to the questions in a minute because they kind of lead into what I think is the big discussion of recruiting in this day and age, which is transfer stuff. But the other thing that can change about this is, I mean, our rankings are going to change two or three times. And Sean, now I, I know you're doing some national stuff with rivals. And so you're kind of a part of some of those discussions now. And like, what if Jamal Roberts goes out and runs for 2,600 yards as a senior, right? Maybe all of a sudden he's a top 10 kid in the state. And so mm-hmm. while we didn't think Missouri was going to have X number of top 10 kids, maybe they have one more or two more or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely possible. You know, uh, 
you know, we're ranking kids right now based on what they did during the summer, you know, and, and camping and seven on sevens, things like that. So, uh, you know, these next set of rankings that will come out, you know, the end of November, uh, early December, you know, those are going to be based on senior film and what you did your senior season. So, you know, some kids can have some Missouri commits can have some big seasons and, you know, move up the rankings and be top 10 players in the state. So that's definitely a possibility. And we should mention some good news here, um, or at least what we think is going to be good news. It seems weird to me that September 8th is only like two weeks away, but I think it's two weeks from this Thursday is the commitment date for Logan Reichert, the like 7'9", 380-pound offensive lineman from Raytown High School. I mean, it's it's Missouri and Oregon but I haven't really seen anybody make much of an argument for Oregon. Have you? No, I think it's just a connection he had with Dan Lanning when he was at Georgia and, uh, you know, he recruited him hard when he was there and that has continued at Oregon. He got him up for an official visit this summer. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Oregon's in it, but do you, you know, I can't, I think gut feeling is you see him go to Oregon or staying close to home in Missouri and playing in Missouri in front of his family. You know, I think he'll probably end up, pick in Missouri. I mean, he's been, he's been to Missouri a ton of times. Like I can't even count. Maybe it's probably over 10 at least, but of course we said the same thing about miles away and you kind of saw what happened there, but yeah, by the time McVeigh committed, we kind of knew yeah, uh, right. what was going to happen. I mean, that was not like a last minute switch and <laughs> I, you know, Hey, anything can happen in the next two weeks, but we'd be pretty surprised if it's not, um, if it's not Missouri, I know we're planning to, so kind of wish he'd push it back a day because he's committing on Thursday, September 8th in Raytown. So Gerard and I are going to go up there and then like Missouri's in Manhattan on the 10th. So we're just going to make a four day weekend out of going up to Kansas city because why drive home and, and drive back the other direction as lovely as that drive across the state of Kansas is. I want to minimize the number of times I take it. I mean, lots of things to do in Kansas city, plenty of things to do in Manhattan, right? Is there? No. Um, <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I, I I don't know. I'm actually uh I'm actually spending the night. We're spending the night before in Topeka because there are no affordable hotels rooms in Manhattan. And I can tell you unquestionably, there's nothing to do in Topeka. Uh, Manhattan, I feel like might be a little bit better. Topeka is not my favorite town. I, I would rank it slightly above Wichita in terms of towns I'd, I'd want to spend the night in. So okay. okay. <laughs> which is not a huge compliment. Um, all right. So we're going to get to some of your guys' questions and comments and uh, they'll pop up on the screen there with your name. So like no vulgarity in your name, your picture is going to be on there, everything just FYI, you know, so, uh, so you don't embarrass yourself. We, we, Simple commands. <laughs> right. We've seen some people log into zooms and things with some strange names. So just, just be careful. Um, you know, if you want to get on the screen or if you don't want to be exposed, but, uh, so we're not exactly breaking news here. Cause I did post this on our message board a couple hours ago, but, um, uh, Michael was asking how high of a priority is Marcus Clark and his dad competition or find a new starter. So Marcus Clark is a kid who played in every game for Miami last year. I think he started four of them. He's a cornerback. Uh, in the class of 2020, he was a three-star kid. Miami had a coaching change. From what I've read, he was 
probably not going to be a starter this year. So he entered the transfer portal on Friday. Uh, he's gotten interest from a number of teams. He told me Missouri is among those teams. At one point, it was thought Marcus might make a commitment somewhere yesterday. That hasn't happened. Um, he told me he didn't really have a time, time frame set for when he was going to commit. But anyway, Missouri is, in his words, highly on his mind. Definitely an option. Um, so what other schools are, you know, we're not sure at this point, but transfer cornerback, a kid who would look, I, I don't want to project on NCAA rules, but if common sense prevails, he would sit out this year, use that as a red shirt year, and then have three more years left to play if he wanted to. Um, I don't know, Sean, just before we get into, to kind of answering the question, I mean, how high of a priority is he? I seems like they would take him, but before we really get into that, just kind of what was your first reaction when you saw, hey, Missouri's involved maybe with this transfer DB from Miami? Yeah, kind of the same questions. You know, uh, is he somebody they're trying to bring in immediately? I mean, season's going to start here pretty soon. I think he's kind of more of, hey, if we can get him in here, redshirt him, and just have him hang on for next season and just add to our depth in terms of next season. I'm kind of leaning that way is what they're thinking, but who knows, you know. Uh, NCAA is wild, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you never know. I mean, you never know what look, happened. But it, it, to me, Mar it seems Marcus like... might find a sick grandma in uh, Boonville he needs to come take care of, right? <laughs> but it, uh, but yeah, I mean, just to bring a kid in, even if you do, even if he does end up committing, bringing him in and learning the system and everything like that, and an accelerated process when the season's about to start, I don't think that's likely feasible. So I think the more realistic option is if he does commit to Missouri, he's going to redshirt this year. And, and I would think best case scenario for somebody like this, if, if people remember, it was right about a year ago that Chuck Hicks transferred from Wyoming a little earlier mm. than this, I think, but he basically was going through fall camp. I think kind of figured out he wasn't going to, wasn't going to be the starter for the coach there, entered the portal, committed to Missouri, got here in like mid to late August. And his situation was weird because everybody thought he wasn't going to be eligible. And then they got a waiver that like halfway through the season, he was eligible. He appeared in two games on defense, played some special teams, got his feet wet, all that. So I guess maybe best case scenario, if you do end up getting Marcus Clark, and we want to be clear, like Missouri has not gotten Marcus Clark. We don't know if they're going to get him. It's just, that's the name of the day. So that's what we're talking about. Um, but maybe a situation like that. And and I think, and, and this relates to another question, Steven Steiner is, is asking, you know, why are MU fans up in arms? Well, look, first of all, you can always read Twitter or a message board and think somebody's up in arms. I, I don't think anybody's really up in arms. I think that's an exaggeration. But, like, I do think, Sean, there's a discussion to be had here. And I said coming into this year, I expect fewer transfers in this class. I think Missouri's taken 22 over the last two years. I think that number's right. It might be a little bit higher. But point being, they're averaging about 10 to 12 transfers a year in the first two classes. I get it. He came in. The guys here weren't his guys. He needed to upgrade the talent. He needed to do it immediately, you know, especially at certain positions. But I think once you're in the – I think this needs to be the year – I don't think it's a great sign if you see double-digit transfers in year three. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, especially when you think about, you know, kind of the average of the last two years. I mean, you expect that, right, the first two years. Not your guys. You kind of cycle some guys out, bring some guys in that you like. Uh, you kind of don't want to be doing double digits like in year three or four and moving forward. Now, you know, Scott Frost isn't a, you know, kind of an outlier there, but – 
Uh, that, well, because Scott, tr- Scott Ruff's <laughs> trying to save his ass. He's fighting for his job, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it is, it is It is odd. But, I mean, you, you know, you look at the uh, Clark situation, I think it's really going to be one of those where he comes in, they stash him for a year, and he'll be, you know, he'll be part of the team and, next year for sure. So, And, look, if you think the kid's good enough to play, you go get him. But I, I think that – I think a lot of us on the outside just look at recruiting as just like this acquisition thing, right? Get as much talent as you can and worry about it later. Mm-hmm. And while, yes, you want a lot of talent, you also do have to, I think Eli's getting to the point where he has to look at the roster and think, okay, now is this kid good enough that I think he's worth bringing in when he's going to have three years left to play and I've got Davion Sistrunk? and uh, Darius Jackson, and Ennis Rakestraw, and theoretically maybe Chris Abram-Strain, and Lester Hewitt. I've got all these guys that I've already brought in. Now I'm bringing in, you know, a, another guy that hasn't, that he's going to enter in in his third year. And you've got to think about what that, and I'm not saying there's, that I know which one's right or wrong, but there's like a level of how good is the kid, and that's inverse to, you know, how worth it he is to bring in obviously because you do have to think about how it impacts the guys that are currently on your roster and and then the reason I say I don't think you take double digit transfers this year is because he just stacked the back-to-back best recruiting classes in school history if those guys are as good as we said they are as good as he thinks they are then he shouldn't need double digit transfers to fill holes on this roster in December Right. But, you know, you kind of look at it too, uh, just kind of doing stuff with the transfer portal. It's kind of like almost there's about three tiers of transfer portal activity after the season, (laughs) after Mm -hmm. spring ball, and then right before the fall (laughs) fall season starts because, you know, you're kind of seeing guys are not being starters or, you know, kind of getting leapfrogged in the depth chart. Then they're hopping in the portal like right before the season starts. Now here's, you know, and maybe in Drinkwitz, you know, is assessing his, you know, roster and he's saying, hey, I will probably have some holes to fill uh, right. in the secondary. And, hey, maybe I can go out and get somebody and just stash him for a year and, and have him available next year, you know. So he's kind of thinking the same thing too, you know. So maybe he's seeing some potential transfers down the road in the secondary on his team and he's just trying to fill those right away uh, when he can, when he sees a guy that's ready to play and thinks he gets capable of playing next year. Potential transfer or, hey, I've seen Chris Abrams drain in some mock drafts, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dalen Carnell came here as a corner. He's already at safety at that hybrid linebacker position. So there's a bunch of different things. And I don't think anybody needs to jump to a conclusion one way or the other based on the fact that, hey, we heard Missouri is possible for this kid. Right. Um, right. But I, I do think there, there are questions that that you need to ask. And, and you guys have been asking questions. We've got some more of them. We'll get to them in a minute. But uh, again, if it, we've had some people jump in since the beginning, and I want to draw your attention to that uh, banner scrolling across the bottom. Our shows this year are going to be brought to you. We're going to do this show every Tuesday. I'm going to do a show with uh, Gerard Hamilton every Wednesday, focusing more on the current team. But um, they're brought to you by James Carlton State Farm. He is located in St. Louis. James has a team of eight in his office. They are tenured. They are all very well trained. They invest in the business and give you an experience that you're not going to get anywhere else. You can get in touch with them by phone. You can get in touch with them online. You can drop by the office in Webster if you want to. But James wants to just 
have a chat with you and, and offer you the best options he can give you as far as all your different insurance needs may go. And as James says, if your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. And if you do that, if you just call James and get a quote, whether or not you end up being his customer and and trusting all of your insurance needs to him as a big supporter of Mizzou. If you just call him and get a quote, he is going to donate $20 to Advancing Missouri Athletes, the Mizzou NIL Collective. Now, you do have to mention Power Mizzou. And hey, this is where I saw this for this to happen because James is not just going to hang up every phone call he gets and immediately call Lawrence Bowers and donate $20 to Advancing Missouri Athletes. I don't think so. Um, so at least mention Power Mizzou or this broadcast when you call James. But uh, logos up in the, the left-hand uh, corner of your screen with the website and scrolling across the bottom is all the different ways you can get in touch with him. So make sure to take that down if you're looking for insurance or if you maybe just kind of want to... Uh, Make sure you're getting the best deal you can and uh, and check things out. So uh, Kyle asked a question kind of along the lines of of what we were talking about a minute ago. But do you expect Mizzou to go heavy on the portal to fill out this class? Um, Again, I, like to say. I, I, I think every year you're probably looking at five or six at this point, but I don't think you're looking at 10 or 12. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you're going to look – you're going to uh, – every team's going to look in the transfer portal, just how heavier they're going to look into it. And it's like you said, Gabe, I mean, you know, if they, if you go double digits in the portal again, you know, that kind of shows you maybe just how, uh, not confident maybe, you are on the roster. Maybe right you missed now. on some guys. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, do I, we expect them to go in the portal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how heavy we don't know. I mean, and, and you know, we'll see, We'll see some people, you know, that's that's really going to depend on throughout the season who hits the portal from Missouri and who hits it after the right. season's over, too. So, Yeah, and this is a thing that stretches into May, June. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not over in December. But the interesting position, portal-wise for me, for Missouri is defensive line because they went super heavy on it this year, but they did it with older guys, right? I, I mean, DJ Coleman is a grad transfer. Jaden Jernigan could have two years left, but this could be it. Uh, Josh Landry, Christian Williams, same way, could have multiple years left, but but not necessarily. Um, so if an it, Trajan Jeffcoat's probably going to leave, Isaiah McGuire could leave. So what you don't want to do is find yourself in a position where you're replacing one year guys with one year guys and just doing that every year. I mean, a grad transfer here and there is a, is a good situation, but also next year is going to be the time Marquise Graciel needs to to be a factor. Right. Um, right. Jalen Marshall needs to get some playing time. Travion Ford, Kai Montgomery, some of these guys they brought in in the last couple of years. Next year really is the time you should see that start to hit. So I think they'll still take transfers, but I think probably, hopefully, you're looking at just like one or two, hey, total band aid one year guys, as opposed to having four or five of those guys and just getting in this cycle. Yeah. The situation for Missouri this year, especially when you talk about just guys that, you know, are probably not going to be here next year. So, and guys that they brought in that they, you know, they knew that ahead of time. So, yeah, you definitely want to see guys like, you know, Montgomery Ford and and all those guys really kind of step up and be depth, you know, at least be depth guys this year and get a lot of snaps, get a lot of experience, get ready for next year. And hopefully you don't have to dip in the portal that much. Right. And it, it, it's really too to me about what kind of guys are you getting out of the portal? What I liked about Missouri's class this year in the portal was you're talking about a guy that played at Oklahoma state, a guy that played at Oregon, a guy that played a little bit at Baylor, a guy that was 
maybe not going to play at Texas A&M, but they just brought in the, you know, one of the best recruiting classes in school history. So it's a little bit understandable. You're getting mm-hmm. them from other power five places. You're not as much going in and filling in from, you know, G five programs or, or lower than that. I'd rather take a guy who had the potential and maybe just was a little bit blocked and didn't play as much as he wanted at one of these good power five. And it's not just a power five program. Like, Oklahoma State played for a Big 12 title. Oregon right. played for a Pac-12 title. But Baylor won a Big 12 title. So you're getting guys who have been on good teams. I, I generally would much more like to see that rather than going what I think is the traditional basketball model, which is going to like the G5 or the mid-major and saying, hey, this guy's too good for that level. Let's see if he's good enough for this one. True, yeah. I agree with you on, on that. For Definitely for football side, you, you know – Get guys with power five experience. I mean, you know, the guys they brought in had a lot of experience too, you know, so that goes a long way. They're part of winning locker rooms. That helps as well, you know. So I think that's a, you know, you can take, you know, you can take a flyer on a G5 guy that's all conference or, you know, all, you know, FCS or whatever, but uh, you don't want to do that too much, I don't think, when you're talking SEC football as well. Right. Now, you sometimes you come across a guy like uh, DJ Coleman, who was an FCS second team All American. And I'm telling you, Sean, like I saw that dude in person and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's an SEC football player. Yeah. I mean, he just you could you could tell, you know, now I'm not saying he's going to have a huge year or anything, but he looks like an SEC football player. There's no question about that. Uh, Brett Smith wants to know, why do you think they haven't been able to land four star guys as as many four star guys this year? And I, I think I mean, it's a combination of things. I mean, they've lost them to Oklahoma, to Alabama. You know, they're not losing these kids to to bad programs by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But also, I I think it's fair to say we're getting to the point where I think recruits are going to start being the way fans are starting to be this year, which is, okay, cool. Love all the potential, but now we need to see this translate, right? And and I'm not saying that's why Caden Green went to Oklahoma or anything, but I think with this recruiting class, you will start to see, okay, we love the message. We love what we hear. But now we need to see that show up to feel good about jumping in, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you kind of – to put that in perspective, what you just said, I mean, just imagine if Missouri had, you know, eight, nine wins last year. You know, and, and, and we're recruiting – you know, you're recruiting Caden – you know, would Caden Green come to Missouri? Would Miles they come to Missouri? If they see the trajectory is going up and wins and they see there's a lot of buzz around the program, you know, I think that's going to go a long way. I mean, that's why this year is very crucial – uh, you know, for the staff, you know, if you can get to that eight, nine win plateau, uh, man, I mean, that, that'll just serve you well for now. I'm, winning cures everything. Winning helps you <laughs> recruit better. Uh, that's just the way it is in college football. So, yeah, the trajectory has to keep going up. That's why this, like I said, going back to saying this is a crucial year for Missouri. And and one other four-star, we haven't talked about this kid because so far as I know, the kid hasn't talked. But, like, do we have any idea what's going on with Marvin Burke since he visited Missouri a couple months ago? No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I don't. You know, no update, just that he took officials to Missouri, uh, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. Oklahoma and LSU is in his top five. I'm pretty sure he's probably going to take some officials to those schools during the fall. So it's probably going to extend out into the fall. I mean, he may not sign, you know, he may not make a commitment till signing day in December. So who knows? And, and could also come down to, is he a take at Oklahoma or LSU? I'm not saying he's not. I, I just don't know. Right. So, 
Um, all right, Cam Clouser had a question too. Hard to tell with the portal stuff, but what position group will be the biggest hole to fill for the 2023 season? Um, I mean, it is a little hard to know who's good. Defensive line, I think, is going to be, again, big for this class. They've already got their quarterback, so I think that's good. Um, they've got a running back in the 23 class, and they got Tavoris Jones, so I don't think you have to have that. Um, I think they're pretty pretty good at wide receiver because they got so many young guys last year. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing maybe offensive defensive line, right? I would think so. Yeah. If I was if I was just projecting out, might get a linebacker too. But yeah, I'd say the right. line's gonna be your biggest biggest plays you're gonna go after in the transfer portal. Yeah, and and in the recruiting class and probably maybe especially offensive line a little heavier in the portal because you did miss on McVeigh and, and on Green. Um, mm -hmm. Now you're still going to have some guys, and I'm not saying you expected those guys to come in and immediately contribute, but uh, I think offensive line is the biggest place where I still look at this roster and say, if they want to play for important things in this league, they've got to have a little bit more star power there than they have. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the class right now, I mean, you know, they need an offensive line commitment. They're trying to get one, but they just haven't got one yet. Hopefully they get Riker, but they still want to probably grab at least a couple more. And, um, you know, and, and there might be a point in time, you know, middle of the season, they're like, hey, we'll just wait till the transfer portal and see what pops up. And we'll just grab a couple old linemen, you know, so you never know. Uh, they're always assessing those situations as they go along. So, but yeah, I can see definitely offensive line being a, uh, being kind of a priority for Missouri to hit the transfer portal this offseason for sure. No question. One more question from Steven Steiner. Does the new defensive coordinator and cornerback coach have an effect on how they, they view the roster and recruiting, and could that play into the portal, likewise with the quarterback coach? I mean, I think Missouri's pretty set at quarterback with uh, Brady Cook right now, then Sam Horn here, and Tyler Macon's still here. I don't want to gloss over him. Sam Horn here, Jabari Johnson committed for the next class. So I, I think they're pretty set there. Um but yeah, there could be a little something too, right? A new a new defensive coordinator who's a safeties coach and a, a new cornerbacks coach coming in, and maybe they view some of the talent on the roster a little bit differently than the last guys did. So maybe, whereas the last guys would have said, "Hey, we're good," maybe the new cornerbacks coach does say, "Hey, I need one more guy" or something like that. Yeah, I would think they would have some pretty good input, just especially just talking to a few kids and, and talking about Missouri's defense and, you know, the scheme and everything. They said it's a little, you know, it's different than it had been. You know, it's more aggressive. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say like uh, Blake Baker would, you know, probably have some input on, on a lot of guys that he's trying to get into that defense and, and fitting his scheme properly. So. Yeah, so um, we've answered the questions. We've told you you can panic if you want to, but you don't have to. Um, you know, I don't know. I, Sean, I think, unless I'm missing something, other than this Marcus Clark thing, which just kind of popped up today, it kind of seems like a little bit of a holding pattern until Logan Riker. Like, nothing else really seems imminent at this point. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a lull period, you know. Uh, coaches will get out, be able to go out and uh, on the road and evaluate kids in person starting September first. So I think a lot of coaches are kind of you know unless they've got like you know obviously Riker's still out there uh, waiting, and so you'll probably see some new targets kind of pop up once coaches get out on the road. They probably got a list of kids they want to go see and evaluate in person. They'll probably throw out some more offers, try to get them on campus. So that's kind of how the cycle goes. So I think uh, after September first, we'll kind of see some more targets pop up and we'll start following some more kids uh, that Missouri's throwing out offers to and everything and evaluating in person. So fun times ahead.
We'll squeeze in one more question real quick before we get out of here. Kyle asked any chance with Jeremiah Love or is he a Notre Dame guy? I don't know if he's a Notre Dame guy, but I don't get any sense he's a Missouri guy. Uh, he may be an A&M guy. So yeah. it's it, Michigan, uh, Notre Dame, A&M, but I think it, he may be an A&M guy. But yeah, okay. probably not. he won't be a Missouri guy. So Yeah, unless uh, unless something changes fairly significantly between – now and signing day so um yeah i don't know sean did we miss anything no i don't think so i mean that that, that last question that kind of goes back to maybe a little bit of disappointing disappointment in the recruiting class so far because when you think about jeremiah love um you know back in the spring missouri was like you know this is first uh, i think it was first power five offer not his first offer but they were they were in really good they talked to you know, and then just the, the flood of offers came in for him, and now you know he's kind of is where he is. And I mean, yeah, the kid the kid blew up, and he's got a lot of options. So that's just kind of how I, it goes. I think it was February. He was tweeting like three and four offers a day. It was it was crazy. So <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna do this with you guys uh, every Tuesday. Um, is uh, again the goal is two thirty. Uh, there may be times that has to move a little forward or back based on on schedules and things along those lines. But um, the, the goal is 2.30 every Tuesday afternoon. Hope that those of you who watched will continue to join us and watch. We'll maybe uh, give us a like on the YouTube channel, do all the things that like uh, put us in the evil algorithms in front of as many eyes as you can. Uh, we will, if you weren't able to catch this live, we will make it into a podcast as soon as Sean and I are done here. We will push that out on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, everywhere that our podcast goes. And it's possible uh, to have all this fancy stuff that we're doing this year. Thanks to our friend James Carlton, who got in touch with us over the summer and wanted to team up on something. James Carlton State Farm in St. Louis is that's where you need to go. At least look, we always say just give our subscribers, Missouri fans, people that have your common interest, just give them the first shot. Right. We're not going to promise that it's always going to be your best deal or what you end up going with. But everybody needs insurance. I, I think, I don't know, Sean, correct me. I think it's kind of the law, right? You have to have some sort of insurance for a lot of things. Yeah, especially when you're in wrecks. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Driving, home insurance. Uh, I don't know if it's a law that you have to have health insurance, but I think it's highly recommended. All of those things, yeah. like just get in touch with James Carlton at James Carlton State Farm. And if, uh, you know, hey, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But give James a shot. I've had a few conversations with him. He's a guy that, look, he's not going to give you the hard sell. He's a, a an easygoing guy, really good dude. If nothing else, call him up, talk a little Mizzou football with him. James and his team of eight located in Webster Groves. They can take care of you in uh, Illinois. They can take care of you in Missouri, either one. Um, but Eight people in a single uh, single agency, pretty big team, so they're going to be able to take care of you. Not going to have a lot of wait time. Uh, you know the claims process. They've got people that that try to make that as stress free as they possibly can. And once again, James wants to help Mizzou out by helping you out. So if you call him, you get a quote. He is, and you mentioned Power Mizzou. He's going to donate twenty dollars to Advancing Missouri Athletes, the Mizzou NIL Collective. And you can see we're going to let that uh, banner roll across one more time. If the old's on here, if you still do Facebook, uh, he's on Facebook. There's the Facebook page. Uh, he's got a phone number. He's got the uh, he's got the regular website, carltoninsurance.net. So any number of ways that you can get in touch with James, we certainly appreciate his contribution. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, I will be back 
tomorrow with Gerard Hamilton. Uh, for those of you who haven't met him yet, you'll get a chance to meet him. We'll talk a little Mizzou football season opener a little over a week away. And uh, I don't know, Sean will be beating the bushes, figuring out what's going to happen between now and September 8th with Logan record, I guess. Yeah, I will be. Stay in touch. <laughs> they, don't, they don't call him the best in the business for nothing. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later.